It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Merry Christmas and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We're talking about a Tottenham Hotspur win on Boxing Day. And I'm delighted to have joining me, Jason McGovern. Jace, how you been? Not too bad, mate. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. And uh, it was an ugly win today, but as long as we picked up those three points and the other results went our way, so we're going to make the most of it. I agree. Yeah, exactly. doesn't matter how you do it, get over that line. And we certainly did. I'm delighted to also have back on the show. He was only in that stadium a couple of hours ago. We've got the brilliant Lee McQueen back. Lee, how are you? Merry Christmas, Rick. Jay's Merry Christmas, listeners. Uh, I'm a bit husky uh, from singing the White Wall, uh, as it's well known today. So, yeah, I've been back. Uh, it's, it's actually un- it's weird going to the stadium and not having a couple of beers. I was uh, I took the car today, so uh, but trying to be sensible today after a big Christmas. And a big three points, of course. Massive three points there, you mentioned, Lee. And Jason, I'm going to start with you. I mean, it was the perfect boxing day for Spurs in terms of Chelsea losing... West Ham losing, Arsenal dropping points. But in terms of the game itself, it was a really hard-fought win. The players looked absolutely exhausted at the end. Little recovery time before Norwich, but the likes of Son, Winks and Sosoko, all suspended now, but on we go. What did you make of the performance against Brighton and the manner of it? Let's be honest, the game for the first, what, 55 minutes, it was was pretty poor, wasn't it? And, and all those old flaws that we talk about week in, week out were, were clearly visible. Uh, you know, the, the problems in midfield that we've got, the static movement up front, had to have Delhi constantly dropping backwards, which is where everyone said Pochettino was playing him out of position. But that lack of creativity makes Delhi drop back. That stops the service into Kane. We had Lucas Moura running down blind alleys. And it was, it was let's be fair, at 55 minutes, you thought this is a, a really poor response to that, to that Chelsea game. And then Harry's goal... I don't know if it was Harry's, you know, people say Lo Celso changed the game, but we equalised two minutes before he came on. And that was perhaps the, the thing that just gave us a bit of confidence. But at least Lo Celso started to use the ball better. And we certainly started to play a lot better once we'd equalised. But, you know, we can't disguise the fact that there are so many problems in that side. And we've got the three points today, but you felt if we'd have been against a better side, by that stage, we probably wouldn't have been in the game. Because, you know, when, when Brighton come to Tottenham, and have control of the game and look to come to Tottenham and not park a bus, but actually bring the game to Tottenham. That tells you just what, what a, uh, an average side we look at the moment. You mean that, Jason? You mean terms of average, but when we go forward, do you not think we play with real conviction? We look like a pleasure to watch going forward, don't we? 
when we go forward at times, we look excellent. We've got, the, you know, our strength is going forward. And if you look at the table, as we've just said, we're fifth tonight. We've been a shambles all season. So <laughs> that shows you what a good side we can be. But let's be fair about it. Brighton for 55 minutes controlled a game at home. And that's, you know, we, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be chasing Brighton around the pitch for 55 minutes, not at home. But do you not think, Jace, at the moment he's having to work with what he's got and that's difficult there, when he's coming I? halfway through? Yep, I've said that. I've said he had a free pass and until he gets his team together, that, that's what it's going to be. But you compare that and, and games like that that we saw under Pochettino, he was called tactically clueless. And it's the same bunch of players. And nobody, nobody made that, that uh, thing about Potty side that, oh, he's only having to work with the players he's got. So, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of both, mate. It just shows you we have to get the team that Mourinho wants. But perhaps it wasn't constantly Pochettino that was at fault for the first part of the season. That debate in itself, we could be doing another whole podcast on that. But, Lee, just to bring it back to the game itself, it wasn't pretty, but we got there in the end. Are you impressed, Lee, by Mourinho's ability to change a game like today? Even if you didn't like maybe that starting eleven, everything we wanted to see from that team was there in the second half with the inclusion of two players in Ericsson and Lachelso who can connect the game, get the ball going forward with control, technique and intelligence that allows us to sustain attacks. That double substitution for you changed the game? I have to be honest with you. I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, going forward, we looked good. Not in the first half, we didn't. We looked awful. We didn't have a clue. Static up front, like statues, literally no movement. Um, I've got a pretty good vantage point. I, I, I sit in row 48 in uh, block 252. So you see the whole pitch. It's actually quite, you know, you just kind of aerial view it, if you know what I mean. And the movement was just non-existent in the first half. And like Jay said, Belly's having to drop back, um, you know, to pick up pieces. There was no energy at all. It was it was a weird performance. Uh, again, similarly to Chelsea, where everybody just looked out on their feet. And it was, you know, you talk about under Potocino, people were, doing double training sessions and that was one of the reasons why I had no energy and then you hear stories not doing double training sessions anymore and all of a sudden we still got no energy um, it was it was weird and, and you talked you, you started this section off with the question was like I'm, am I impressed with the way that Jose Mourinho changed it he, he didn't change it did he on the, against Chelsea and uh, you know I know that's been done uh, by you boys earlier in the week it was a brilliant pod but you know for me the first half was a continuation of that woeful performance that that was uh, that was a Chelsea game, um, and you know the fact is it was hard fought, and, and I put that out on social media. It was a hard fought performance, but it was also very hard watching as well. You know, uh, I've been quite critical of the fans at the beginning of the season against the Newcastle game, for example. You know, people are singing, they're getting up, they're trying today. But when you're watching football like that, it is very very difficult. It was slow. It was sideways, backwards passing. It was lethargic and there was no movement. As soon as there's an injection of pace, as soon as there's an injection of energy, we change. We, like, come alive. And that's what happened. I'd probably go a little bit earlier than 55 minutes from the goal. I think we started the second half very well. And, and I think, for me, it was a game of two halves. Quite cliche as it sounds, but it was. It was a game of two halves. And we came alive in the second half. And that was really all it was. Once we got the goal, as Jay said, a bit of confidence. The Chelsea come and I thought he was very, very good. Um, I know that pains me to say it uh, with the contract rebels in terms of Ericsson. Mourinho keeps playing him, so you know you've got to comment on you know what's on the field, and he did play pretty well, to be fair. I think as well, if you, you if you compare it, well, you know if you allow the Chelsea game as well, at half time today we played 147 minutes at home without no shots on goal. Oh. It's terrible, Jason. And, and the thing is, guys and, and listeners as well, right? Here's the thing for me: I'm all Mr. Positive, and some people say I'm not realistic in this that, and the other. But you know, I tell you how I see it, and I tell you how it is. You can't go basically three arms of football and not have a shot on target. That is at, at home, by the way, as well. That's absolutely ridiculous. And then Chelsea go uh, you know, go home today and they get beat whatever by Southampton. You think, how have we just got beaten by Chelsea this week? How has that happened? And then, and then, you know, everyone's cheering and obviously we're happy that we got the three points today. And of course, that's that's really good with, with the utmost respect. But, you know, without reply until we scored in the 55 minute, Brighton had scored four against us. You know, consecutively, because we lost three 0 to them earlier in the season. You just think this ain't this ain't right. Saints wrong here. You just can't put your finger on it, can you? As to why they're coming out. We used to have a laugh on Love Sport, didn't we? About you know slapping them with a wet fish and all that. But but they need to wake up the players. Slap them with a wet fish before they get out. Like, why are they coming out so slow? The the place was packed today. It was a pack. It was a, it was a good turnout on a Boxing Day where there's no trains. It was utter nightmare. 
to get back and forth from, from the stadium today. Yet we still turned out, after that woeful performance as well, we still turned out. And they, they come out and they're just like, you know, they're in third or fourth gear maybe. You know, they need to get, they need to get some energy about them, Rick. But I mean, I totally agree with you, Lee, on that. I totally agree. But also, when you look at the case for me that, at the moment, I've been there, I've said it early on social media, that, you know, Maurizio Pochettino was part of the problem. Jose Mourinho, for me, isn't the problem. The players here are the major problem. We've seen it under both Pochettino and Mourinho, where they've set them out with instructions, and the players have openly said afterwards that they have not delivered what the head coach or the manager has asked them. And that's why I feel this is such a important January coming up and even an important summer to start with that rebuild, to start taking those players out that don't want to be there and bringing the ones that do want to. Because you do feel with Mourinho, he's ruthless enough. And I want to come on to Tungu Ndombele shortly, just in terms of that selection. But just on your analysis of the game there, Lee, I think Mark Butcher agrees with you. He says it was awful, that first half performance. Same problems linking up with attack. Everything sideways, backwards. Not much difference on Pochettino's last yep. few games. Second half, a change. The Chelsea and Eriksen made the difference, linking more with Kane, Ali Mora, and a great goal from Delian. Jace, just to bring you back a second, I mean, listen, yeah, of course, the first half was nowhere near good enough. I'm not going to get away and deny that. But that is such a precious three points. You know, we're up to fifth. We're kind of looking at a double-header to come. And after being absolutely panned by Chelsea, does Mourinho not deserve some of the credit for his decisions to bring the likes of Le Chelsea and Eriksson on, who've made that difference? But we are chasing a game, Rick, aren't we? We're 1-0 down to a team at Brighton. So, you know, what substitutions is he going to make? You know, they are the only substitutions he can make. In the he past, deserves... Jace, though, we've yes, sat he... here and said that the substitutions under Pochettino, for example, have not been made earlier, have to have an impact on the game. Do you not give him any yeah. credit at all whatsoever for the introduction of the timing of those substitutes that I think had a pivotal part to play in changing the result into a win? But how many of us at that stage of the game would have been saying, make those substitutions? You know, I mean, if you think about it, the Wolves game two weeks ago, he made his first substitution when we were being battered in the 89th minute. So, you know, that one clearly didn't do it, did it? And, you know, it's the obvious thing, is it? He gets credit when he takes Eric Dyer off and we're 2-0 down at home. And he gets credit for bringing two attacking players on when we're 1-0 down at home. So, yes, you've got to make those substitutions. So, you know, it's, you know we, we criticise, and rightfully so, Pochettino for not reacting quick enough. But let's be honest, they are the substitutions you expect when you're 1-0 down at home to Brighton with an hour gone. You mentioned that point that sometimes under the previous manager, and that's not to start going on Pochettino here, we wasn't always getting the substitutions early enough to affect no, the game, think... to change them. And I think you have to give Mourinho some credit to changing the game. And yes, there may be obvious substitutions, but he's got to give some credit to change the result, surely. What I'm saying, Rick, is Pochettino was rightly criticised for not making those changes. But I don't think you can honestly sit here and give... Mourinho, great praise for bringing on two attacking players. I'm not saying great praise, but at least acknowledge the fact that those changes he made did have an impact on the game. Well, yeah, they had an impact on the game, but, you know, you would expect them to be made. They definitely had an impact on the game, for, for sure. And I, I think when Lo Celso come on after we, after we scored, as Jay said, we've got a bit of confidence. We were just moving the ball so much more quicker. I think it pushed Delhi up a little bit higher up the pitch as well to get him better, uh, closer to Kane. And actually, when you look at the goal scorers, obviously we'll get onto that, I'm sure, with with Kane and Delhi scoring, it, you know, there's no coincidence there that he moved them up the pitch. At one point, we were playing a 4-4-2. Um, and, you know, and it worked for us. Brighton didn't have an answer. I don't, I think maybe towards the end of the game, from memory, they, they may have one, maybe one shot on target in the second half. But other than that, they didn't have an answer for us. And, you know, you, we could have played another 10, 15, 20 minutes. I think we'd have scored more goals. Jose Mourinho is now unbeaten in eight Boxing Day matches in the Premier League. The Spurs head coach has managed more games without defeat on this day than any other manager in the Premier League since its formation. And Spurs have come from behind to win a game in the Premier League for only the second time this season. The first, of course, was on the opening day of the season against Aston Villa. Now, I want to bring it on to the selection. Now, just before that, Mourinho was interviewed by Amazon Prime, where he was asked how his Christmas was. And he said, to be honest with you, it's been a very sad day for him, or a sad period over Christmas, because he lost his dog. His dog is my family. And I, I found that very interesting, because Mourinho is seeing a cold, calculating figure. But that does show an element of a human side to him, which I think is nice to see. And it is really sad news. We know people are quite close to their pets, so our thoughts are with him. Um, and it was so important, I think, to, to get that win today. Obviously, hopefully it made him feel a little bit better. But the selection was the main talking point. And, I mean, to bring it around to you, Jace, we saw him make two changes. 
Ryan Session came in for his first Premier League start of the campaign. Harry Winks returned to the heart of the Spurs midfield in place of Eric Dyer, with Lamella also back amongst the subs, and Tungi Undenbele was not part of the squad. And when Mourinho was questioned after the game why he wasn't involved, this is what he said. I cannot say he's injured. I can say that yesterday he told me he was not feeling in condition to play the game, not based on injuries, based on fears of previous injuries of the season. I cannot say he's injured. And just, just on that, I mean, you do concern yourself in terms of Undembele, maybe long term, because that does not bode well for a player. I mean, it's well documented throughout Mourinho's reign, wherever he's been at a club, that he likes players to play for him through injury. That's not saying that's the right thing to do, but he likes players that go that extra mile and will play for him. And he referenced Lamella, for example. He said, Lamella, 57 or 58 days out of the team, trained with the team twice. And after all that time, he came and said to me, I think you need me because you have injuries or suspensions. If you need me, I'm there for 10, 15 minutes, I'll be there. And he said, that touched me. How concerned are you over Undembele's potential long-term future? Or am I over-exaggerating it to some degree? I've said, haven't I, for a, a number of weeks, um, I'm appalled at the, the fitness levels of Ndombele because how long he's been here. And he hasn't had a, a really serious injury yet. It's not like he's ripped a hamstring or he's, he's you know, done ankle ligaments or anything like that. They've been, they've been niggly little injuries. And, you know, he could have quite easily, I think, come out and said, no, he wasn't quite fit, hasn't had enough trying and, and kind of defended him. But he, he, let's be fair about it, he made it, uh, you know, he was pretty blunt about it, wasn't he? That he was fit in his own minds, but in Mourinho's mind, he was fit to play, but he decided not to. And the fact that he then said, go and watch him train outside him. I think they started training, what, five minutes later? And he told the journalists, go and watch him outside training. And then to also bring the Lamella situation up. And I think it just explained the whole situation to us. And the annoying thing is, we talk about a lack of creativity and control in midfield. We've spent £65 million on a player to give us that control. He is the player that we're desperate for. When he has got a few minutes under his belt, he looks the player we are so desperate for. And yet, it's, it seems purely down to him that we've now not seen him fit under Pochettino and we've not seen him fit under Mourinho. And at some stage, he has to take responsibility for that. And it's 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 the, it's what is hurting us so much because... You know, you said on a Love Sport show a few weeks ago, we still haven't replaced Moussa Dembele. And yet we've spent £65 million replacing Moussa Dembele. And this bloke can't be bothered to get onto the pitch. And so, you know, we're sitting here and we're thinking Norwich away is the next game. Are you confident that, that Dembele is going to play 90 minutes of that game? And if he does, has he got any chance of them playing 90 minutes at Southampton? But we desperately need that player more than any other player to be fit in this team at the moment. I mean, Lee, just bringing it on to that point, we saw the impact he made against Chelsea. He was only on the field for 24 minutes. And when you put that into perspective and what I've said to Jason there, I mean, where do you potentially see the fault lies here? Is it with the player? Is it with the coach? Mm. I mean, wh what line do you go with here, Lee, for you? It sounds like a mental issue, doesn't it? It sounds like an adaption or, or failing to adapt mentally to the situation, to the surroundings, to the Premier League. I think we've got to put into some context. Uh, you know, he's 22 years old. Uh, you know, he's playing league, uh, you know, third tier French league football. Isn't he like three seasons ago or four seasons ago? Well, not that long ago anyway. He's coming, he's, you know, he's a saviour, 65 million. Um, you know, but it is down to him, his responsibility. It, it, it sounds to me like Mourinho is basically saying, you know, this guy is fit. He's in the green zone, in red zone, green zone, whatever it might be. Um, you know, he's, he's he's ready to go, but in his mind, he's not ready. Um, and, you, you know, Pochettino was quite, wasn't he, before saying, oh, we've only seen 30% of an Ndombele. Do you remember that quote that he said? Only 30%. And you kind of look at it and you just think, you know, one of our own, Jamie, always says, you know, it takes time for people to, uh, players to get used to the Premier League. And, and, and I don't disagree with that. But something, again, doesn't feel right. I mean, just, just going back to the game, this is spot on, right? The glaring issue is in... I mean, we all know it. All listeners, you all know it, don't you? It is the centre of the park. You know, we're not giving enough protection to our defence, which is putting pressure on that. We're not getting the ball quick enough in transition to go forward through the lines and get them runners in terms of Son. In I know we weren't playing today, but in terms of Son or Sessegnon, uh, Kane and Ali and Mora to get running at defences, which is where we can hurt. Like you said earlier, we, you know, we have got a good front four. 
five or whatever. That's when when he brought on the Celso today and Eriksson, that they started to be QBs and start to put, and that's what Dembele will do. And it's so frustrating not having. I was going to say having not having him fit, but Marina thinks he's fit, so it's 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 very frustrating not having him available. I don't know how you work that sort of stuff out, but it seems to me that he's he needs to get his head around what what his job is here because you know he's got some absolute talent. We we just ain't seen enough of him, have we? We can understand that it takes time to adapt to the Premier League. So with with say Sonny that was was pretty average in his first year. With Lucas Moura, you know, was pretty average in his first season. But they are able to play. It's that the, the levels. Yeah, they were running around. They one, were fit. Yeah, right? one game, one game they play really well, and then you might get two games and their first London derby where they're pretty invisible, don't look to be taking part in the game. Then they'll they'll have a, a good game somewhere else. But at least they are on the pitch. We're talking about somebody here who can't adapt to actually getting onto the pitch. The previous question on on the other show last week was after the Chelsea game was just what is Eric Dyer in a Spurs shirt anymore? And who's going to play at Norwich? Well, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah that's the reason. Sure. Because, the thing, because the thing nobody is... else is standing up to do it, are they? Are you concerned? Do you have reservations over his long-term future because of the fact he referenced Lamella, a player that hasn't even featured for him yet, and yet he mentioned the contribution he gave by offering his services, even if it was for 15 minutes. Do you concern yourself at this stage? You know the kind of character Mourinho is in terms of his ruthlessness with players. Are you worried that we're going to get like another Paul Pogba situation here? Or do you think, no, Daniel Levy won't allow us to happen. We spent £65 million on a player who's widely scattered across Europe. We know this guy was wanted by a lot of top, top clubs. Do you think in time we'll get the best out of him? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a ruthless Mourinho Pogba situation. I think that's a little bit far down the line. I think I think that you know, brilliant that Lamella's the right attitude, and that's what we want to see. But with with all due respect, um, Lamella ain't played one minute under Mourinho yet, so he's obviously chomping at the bit to show him what he can do. And you need a hundred and thirty percent fit Lamella just to match a fifty percent fit. Uh, and Dembele, and I'm saying a bit out of order there, but you know where I'm coming from, guys. You know, Dembele's got absolute bags of talent, and, and actually, if we can get him in the right place, I think he could be absolutely fantastic. It's up to Mourinho and the coaching staff to get to get him right. And once he starts playing, here's the thing with Dembele: that once he starts playing, he can start showing people what he can do, and then he get even more minutes and even more minutes. He's got to play games. Keep saying this about Eric Dyer; he's got to have games in his legs. Let's go back to the point that you guys made on the on the Chelsea review earlier in the week um, you know I, I don't think Eric Dyer's had more than 10 games on the trot has he but in, in his legs so so and he's been out for a year so you know you've got to get these people he, he, he needs to come to Mourinho with the right attitude and Dembele and say boss I'm here I'm ready I'm ready to go let's, let's give it let's have it and, and, and go and give it time even if he's getting 75-80 minutes but I'll go back to the point Jace made right at the beginning of the Dembele section which is He's been here, what, since July 1st? Hello? Like, why ain't he fit? Yeah, no, I agree. Listen, the player's got to take some responsibility for that. And we mentioned about Spurs' poor start to the game, but they, well, they nearly went in front. They had the ball in the net. I mean, Jace, Harry Kane thought he put Spurs ahead, but VR ruled it out for offside by an armpit. By no means the closest call of the Premier League season, but another decided by merely inches. I mean, on reflection, it was the right call, wasn't it? It was million inches though, as we say under the terms of it you, you can't really argue it can you if it's if it's a couple of inches it's a couple of inches I think Jamie made the, the good point that I suppose none of us had really considered before the advent of it that if you're going to determine it by a couple of inches you've got to be absolutely precise with the moment the ball leaves the, the player's foot and uh, when you get down to a couple of inches that's that's what one frame one frame of speed and and if you get that one frame wrong then he looks offside to onside but let's be honest you know it's it's the it's the way that it is whether we like it or not we can sit here and say it kills the enjoyment it's killing the game but that's the way the rule is at the moment and we have to accept that and it's you know it'll work for us and it'll work against us over the season so just to check you there on the VAR side of things I mean again in the stadium you know the stadium screens were running <laughs> must have must have been a little bit Amazon Prime they were running about six seven seconds delay between what was actually going on on the field so again it was really confusing and what happened today was a little bit similar to what happened against uh, Leicester away 2 0 up uh, Serge Aurier scored and then um, it was uh, I know uh, uh, um, it was ruled offside for the Sonny pass and all that sort of stuff like an armpit like, like you said I agree with you first of all that's the rule but what happens in the stadium is that the away fans 
get such a boost because it's like they're scoring a goal. Do you understand what I mean? So, so not only did it, we didn't go one 0 up, it ended up being nil nil. It was like they'd scored because they got that boost of saying that we didn't. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. It, totally yeah, it changed. Yeah, 100%. It changed the emotion or the whatever. Typically, right? If you score a goal pre-VAR, if you scored a goal that was ruled offside, you'd get ah, what, do you know what I mean? And then the game moves on. Because VAR is built up, built up, built up, and then all of a sudden it gets ruled outside, all of a sudden you get a massive cheer, and then the crowd are up from the other side of things, and then they go and score within the next, I think it was six or seven minutes after that incident, and there was no, you know, it gave them a boost for, for absolute sure. It's, it's not right. I agree with you, Lee. The only thing I would say is that I remember when Sheffield United scored a goal that was what a toenail offside against us and we should have got the boost when it was disallowed it actually made sure yeah. we <laughs> play a lot better we completely That's collapsed true. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, exactly. I suppose it does work both ways in, in that instance. But, you know, it is, uh, I mean, just experiencing it there today, that's the general feeling. It was like yeah. gutted for us, a big boost for them. And then, you know, six, seven minutes later, they go 1 0 in front. And you just think, Jesus, man, we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And, and, and I know we'll probably come on to the goal in that, Rick. But, I mean, Jose's comments after the game talking about how can we stop that and monster bullet header, I'm thinking it's a set piece, mate. You should not be conceding goals at a set piece, regardless of who you are. Agree, and just on that opening goal is a perfect segue into what I was about to come on to, um, Jace, to you because you know Adam Webster powerfully headed home, a Pascal Gross free kick to Brighton the lead. But if you look at where that goal came from. That goal comes from one of our best headers of the ball failing to get there in Toby Alderweireld. It comes from Jan Bertongen taking an original free kick before and then Winks diving in to give away a completely needless foul. And it almost seems like Lisa's there. We shoot ourselves in the foot time and time and we're our own biggest worst enemies, aren't we? Well, we've said it all through the season. Well, we've said it for, for as long as I can ever remember. Can't say I felt sorry for Winks because, because he shouldn't be diving in like that. It was a ridiculous thing. But he actually didn't foul the bloke. I don't think it was any touch at all. But I totally understand for where the referee would be and looking. he goes to ground, Why, Jace. He gives it a, yeah, the referee he goes, to make the yeah, sneak. Why do it? Why do yeah, it? He gives, he gives the chance of the, the player to go to ground. And I totally understand why the referee looks at that and thinks that's a, a blatant foul and a yellow card because he hasn't got the, the eight angles. So, um, you know, it was a really stupid free kick to give away. And Winksy didn't learn his lesson because he then does it in the second half and should have seen red because having been booked... You know, then you have to defend the set piece. And we know, we know full well that our weakness in the air at set pieces is 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 shocking at times. And perhaps that's where we did miss Eric Dyer as just that extra extra body in there. But, um, you know, we look vulnerable at so many set pieces when the ball comes into the box. And, you know, it's what I've always said with, with Toby, isn't it? He is a top, top class centre half until it comes to defending the ball in the air. And then for some reason, he... That's the difference between him and Virgil van Dijk. I mean, Lee, just on our defending, we saw Conley moments later then miss a free header from six yards out as Brighton really should have been 2-0 up. Toby Alderweireld failed to pick up the man. And defensively, Lee, how much is it concerning you at the moment? Because Tottenham have now conceded more goals in all competitions than any other Premier League team since Jose Mourinho took over as Spurs head coach. That's not me putting down to any fault of Mourinho's, but defensively... We look absolutely over the place, don't we? I mean, that's the biggest concern. And you look yeah, we do. At the moment, I mean, God, we can't keep outscoring teams, can we? Or trying to? I think that's the answer at the moment, to be honest. And it'll just me out on this, right? So, you know, if you listen to um, Jose's uh, post-match uh, news conference, he talks about kind of, you know, setting up a little bit more, you know, defensive-minded and the work that we'd done all week was a bit more defensive-minded and, you know, um, uh, Vertonghen was tucking in a little bit more to make more of a free and all that sort of stuff. And then and then we give away a ridiculous, like you say, I mean, it was a free kick to them that came up to our end, it was a free kick to us that then went from Jan Vertong back to their end and then they had a free kick and scored from it. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And the whole the whole of the situation. Then and then when we change to speed it up and go a bit faster and push and, and force the game because we won it down, as Jay said, then different substitutions and whatever, we've played a miles better. So I do actually think that actually the best course at the moment with the players he's got his disposal, the best course of action is to just to go and you now go a bit gung ho maybe, you know, you know, and, and go and have a go because we keep letting in goals, regardless of how we set up. You know, I don't think we've seen any buses parked yet, but the reality is Brighton come to our, and they're a good football inside Brighton, they come to uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur State, New White Hart Lane, and uh, they've had more shots 
uh, on target than us. They've had more shots off target than us, and they've only had about whatever six or seven percent possession less than us. And we're we're the home team. You know, if you look at the stats, you know, we we'll have all of our stats. But if you look at the stats in terms of attempts at goal, you know, Tottenham under Jose Mourinho, we've scored a few goals. But you know that that um, that Burnley game, you know, we battered them five nil. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we only had seven attempts. And 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 like I think one of you uh, might have been crackers actually in midweeks said, you know, even defensively against Burnley, we weren't all that. And that was the only clean sheet that we've had under Mourinho. So we can't keep giving away goals. But if he starts to tries to shore it up, essentially, we we're just blunt up top. I mean, Kane looked. Totally out of sorts at the, in the first half. Like again, like against Sheffield United, he didn't move. He was like a statue. Second half, when it comes available and like, right, coming and lads, just go and have a go. Completely different game. He battered, he bullied, he was all over the place. Like Royal Rovers, he was. He had a fantastic second half. Um, and I think defensively again today, Davinson Sanchez was the the one that really stood out for me. And you know, it's just too shaky, uh, and we can't keep defending that way. Jace, just to get your final thoughts on that defence, when I said to Lee there, you know, Mourinho, Spurs in general, uh, you look at it, we've only managed one clean sheet in the nine matches which Mourinho has managed the football club. Spurs have also, as I said to Lee, conceded 15 goals, which is the most of any top flight side during that period. How concerned are you that the defence we've got at the moment is going to really harm Spurs' chances of achieving a top four finish? I'm concerned for sure because we're not... We're not defending properly. We're not defending as a team. Um, you know, one of the big things that Lucas Moura did better in the second half was that he chased after people and making use of the 100%. 100%. Yeah, you know, 100%. He wasn't doing that in the first half. And we're not defending properly. And then, you know, with, without the without the Eric Dyer style figure, not Eric Dyer as a person, but without that figure, we, we saw them Brighton have two or three decent attempts from around the the edge of the D, didn't we? Which, you know, you, should be, you shouldn't be conceding those shots. You have to be closing them down and we're getting exposed down the right-hand side. I mean, the, the team in that, it, I, I, you can't just blame it on one person because the whole team defensively isn't functioning. And, and you know, as I've, I've said a number of times, for me, you can't even blame Mourinho for that. Until we can make those couple of signings to give us that bit more stability, then I'm, I'm afraid that this is the, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, we'll go, we'll get a win and then we'll get a loss and we'll get a win and then we'll get a loss. And we'll, yeah. we'll go Norwich, not necessarily Norwich in this week, but that type of game, we'll think, well, we should go there and win and we'll get beat 2-0 because we can't defend properly. And then we'll go and get a result we don't expect, like the Wolves one. And you think, well, where have we got that one from? But we, there's no consistency in our performances at the moment, other than the fact they're consistently poor without the ball. We are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we are going to discuss Colossal Kane, devastating Delhi, game-changing Le Celso, Lively Lucas and even Ericsson's having an impact. Don't go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Lee, you mentioned for you that in that second half, from the very start of it, you saw an immediate lift-up from the team comparison to the first half, which, to be yeah, fair, sure. couldn't have got any worse. Harry Kane did bring Spurs level. He jumped onto a loose ball. His first effort was saved, but he volleyed home the rebound superbly. And Kane now has scored in 2019 35 goals from 46 games. I mean, his record is simply immense. And even after the game, Mourinho was commenting that for him. When he was a coach... Oh, when I was a coach, not his coach, I was saying this is the kind of striker who is fantastic even when he's not scoring. And to be fair, Kane, you know, we needed that kind of captain mentality to get us back on track. And that's exactly what he did. He did. And uh, I said that to Colsey, my mate I was sitting with today, uh, second half, he was he was outstanding. Like, literally. I, and again, there was, maybe there's a subtle change in the formation. We pushed up a little bit. With Deli Ali just pushed up. He was moving. He was dropping back. He was pinging balls. He was chasing after everything. He was going in for tackles. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, he looked the bully boy. Um, you know, he got booked for it and all that sort of stuff. A bit more aggression. That's what he was like in the second half. The energy levels were were, were high. Um, and I, I, it sounds so weird just talking about this, you know, elite level sport and, you know, all, all these professionals. And all we're talking about is a basic bit of energy and attitude and a bit more aggression. It seems weird, doesn't it, lads, talking about that? But that's what it was. You could see it as clear as day. And the crowd started to get up for it a little bit more. And then, you know, he, he had a fantastic... It was a, I have to say, it was a very good ball to start to move off from Christian Eriksen um, in, in the first place. Um, and then, you know, yeah, he got onto the loose ball. Um, and it was a fantastic save by Matt Ryan. Um, and then come back out and Kane stuck it away. And we, uh, for me, after that, we, we was only going to be one winner of the game. For me, you know, you just could feel the atmosphere change. 
the, the mood had lifted and we had energy back in our playing and uh, obviously it went on to be be the result that we wanted. Yeah, Lee mentions about how the mood changed in that second half. For Harry Kane now, it's eight goals in five games on Boxing Day. The Tottenham Hotspur striker clearly does love that Christmas period and scoring for Spurs. But just how much, Jake, you know, from his perspective, did, did he change in that second half? We mentioned that maybe in that first half it was reminiscent of that performance that he showed us against Sheffield United where we discussed that equaliser. And if you remember, you know, we talked about that, that press and he's the first man to give us that press. So we just simply didn't see it in that first half at Brighton. But second half, he came alive again. Did Mourinho give them a real rollicking at half-time? Yeah, I would imagine there were a few harsh words said at half-time. And if there were, they, they were fully deserved. But uh, there seemed to be a little bit more energy and buzz. As I said, it, I think it started really with Lucas Moura not necessarily achieving much with, with quality, but but just making himself busier and, and chasing and hounding things. And, you know, that kind of spread, didn't it? But Harry's second-half performance was was immense. You know, I mean, I think on the TV, they, they showed his little bit on the far touchline, but he just already taken the ball 60 yards into the corner and held play up. And it's just his, his general effort in the second half and his movement was a lot better and his physicality was much better but on that Jace on that bit you know when he took the ball from I think it was outside our own pennant where and he yeah. just ran and took it away and then he yeah. let, you probably might have not seen on the TV if he was watching on, on Prime but after he was, he was on his haunches because he, he was yeah. blowing and he just it, it epitomised his entire second half performance it was so full of energy he worked his nuts off so did Deli Alley, by the way and I, and I just need to correct myself because it wasn't Christian Eriksen that pinged he, he pinged for Deli Alley's goal um, it was it was Lucas Moore that got the uh, got the thing but you, when, when you look at the way we harry uh, and we press and it has to start from the front and you talked about that earlier in the first part of the show Jace about you know our defence but it seems to me when Harry presses, everyone else isn't doing it as well. Do you know what I mean? You can't do one or two. It has to be everybody. And, and it feels like that he gets, not the ump, but it's like, well, actually, you guys aren't doing it, so I can't go and press now. And, and so it has to be collected. I think that's the bit that's missing. In the second half, when we started collectively pressing, like you say, Lucas Moore just buzzing around like a bloody annoying wasp and just nicking the ball away. That was what was putting us on the front foot and making Brighton go back towards their own goal. And if anybody knows anything about football, no defender wants to be running back towards their own goal. And that's the reality. And that's what was happening time and time again in the second half. And that's why I think we got the result. As Jace, for me, second half, he was an absolute bundle of energy. He kept the ball alive for one of the goals and was a constant pest when the Brighton defenders had it. I mean, more at well, one point, Jace, what I will say with him, that he did have his head down. He runs into defenders, shoots a lot, but... If we could get a look in on that wide on that wide side where he is and the occasional crosses into the box, he'd be some player because he's got that pace and those battling qualities required. I mean, he was involved in the early stages of both of those goals, albeit from a deflection and a short pass. What did you make of his performance? Because again, maybe Jacqueline Hyde, performance from Lucas. Well, I'm actually quite pleased that, that he did have a performance like that because we've talked about how devastating he is individually. But then we've we've also seen the, the games where he's infuriating, he just runs into blind alleys. And I've said, you know, sometimes it's it's how good a player he is on his not great day that 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 actually marks out how good the player he is. And you know, I, I thought Deli Ali, for instance, today is a player that that for me for quite a lot of the game was quite sloppy in the game. Didn't give, you know, gave the ball away a lot, but still had a big impact on the game. And that's something that perhaps Lucas Moura hasn't done. His his massive games are so easy to remember, aren't they? And yet, when he doesn't have that day, he looks really, looks really poor. But today, even though it wasn't his best day with the ball, like I say, I thought too often he, he still ran into blind alleys. The fact that he, his, his work rate was upped meant that even on a bad day for him, he still actually ended up impacting the game. And that's what you've got to have from those forward players. Just to stick with you, Jason, so the Giovanni Le Chelsea's introduction, he came on the pitch and suddenly Spurs had someone trying to link up play and looking to thread those balls through instead of running into blind alleys or attempting shots into defenders' legs from a distance. I mean, he immediately gave Spurs their outlet with his one-twos, you know, played deeper when Ericsson came on battled away, but I think he made such a difference for us in that second half. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. He looked, uh, looked a class act as soon as he as soon as he came on the pitch. And as I said, I don't know how much the game changed because of that, because we had just equalised as well. But without doubt, our play was a lot, lot better once he came onto the pitch. And I think the telling thing today, it was the first time that he'd been brought on as a sub in front of Ericsson as a sub. 
and I thought that's that's actually quite silly that maybe the, the penny has dropped that this player is committed and we do need more from him. And you know, we've turned to Ericsson every other game, haven't we, when it's happened. And today the first turn was to Lacelso. And hopefully, and particularly now with the suspensions of Weeks and Sissoko, I'd really like to see him get those ninety minutes at, at Norwich in the next game. We had a lot of questions in on Jim on Lachelle, so let's read some of these out. Clark at Clark underscore S Z N says, Do you think that Chelsea will make an impact like he did today if he had a run of games? We'll ask you that one, Lee. And we've also got another question on Giovanni Lachelso. And this is from Colin Cooper, who says, What is the best position for him? Lee, both of those questions, what do you think? And for you also, just to get your thoughts on him, Lachelso, because he did really help Spurs move that game quicker, didn't he? One sure. touch, out of his feet pass. Other players now doing likewise whilst they're on the field. And as I mentioned earlier to Chase, he immediately gave us an outlet and he really did battle away where it's in that midfield. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, he did. I think Clark. Um, I think he will get a uh, uh, have a massive impact on the on the game moving forward. Again, you know, if he gets a run of games, I think um, you know to Colin's question, I think he his probably his best position is going to be kind of where I know it's easy comparison to make, but kind of where Ericsson has played. And when, when we've had the best four, front four in the Premier League, as I always used to say a couple of years back in the title challenge, when we had Son and Lee and Ericsson and Kane all firing, Ericsson didn't really play completely in that number 10. It'd, it'd come in from the right and, and interchange and move around with Delhi, and Delhi would play in that number 10. And I, I see that's where the Celso can play. I think at the moment, um, if you ask me how Jose is going to use him, Based on all the suspensions you just talked about, he might end up playing them a little bit deeper as a kind of a, I keep saying this, so I don't know why, but, you know, like a quarterback type role. We need somebody to be able to break them lines, like to get the ball, turn and, and, and go. I, I don't think the Celso is a, is a, is a pacey, t- I'm not saying he's slow. Uh, some of the runs he did, his touches, it was just really quick. He knew where to go and bang, bang, the ball was gone. And and for, for to try and defend that was very, very difficult. I thought he made a massive impact today. Um, and it was, again, I echo with Jace when me and Colsey was watching on the sidelines he was getting ready and we're thinking please don't be Ericsson please don't be Ericsson and it was the Celso that came on and funny enough he was about to come on before Kane scored so Jose had already made his mind up and then we thought ah he's going to change his mind now because we've gone 1-0 up but he didn't he still brought him on and and thankfully he did because I thought that the, the game did totally start to, to, to work in our favour when he did on the pitch. So I do think he's going to have a, a big impact. I do think that it's probably his best position is, is that kind of that number 10 type role. But again, he, he may be used until we sort that midfield partnership out. He may be used slightly deeper. I mean, look, uh, the, the midfield, the central midfield can't get any worse. And like you just said, we ain't got any winks. We ain't got any Sissoko. And Dembele don't look like he's fit or whatever it might be. So somebody's got a partner, um, uh, Eric Dyer, haven't they, against Norwich? I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, and no, I agree. Someone's got to do it. And I think the Chelsea at the moment, for that performance, I would definitely be in favour of having him in that Norwich team. And, Jace, just to get your thoughts on Deli Alley, you mentioned a point earlier that I want to pick you up on. You said he find much success with his passing for much of that game. But on the 72nd minute, he did come up with a beautiful lofted finish to put Spurs ahead. It was a lovely little touch to take on, you know, that particular move. What did you make of that finish, Jace? Lovely, wasn't it? It was a, wonder. It was a really well-worked goal, in fairness. It was a... Uh... We've we've been big critics of Christian Eriksen for a long, long time. But, you know, the pass, his initial pass was excellent. We've been massive critics of Andrea, but he actually got forward and with a little bit of composure, kept his head and just cushioned the ball straight into Delhi's path. But then the finish was was fantastic. So it was a little bit, maybe a fraction behind him, but the way he lobbed it over the top, perfect weight, perfect composure, perfect execution. And it's the type of goal that we know that Delhi can score. And... Like I said, I thought the first half he was was cheap of some or guilty of some cheap giveaways of of perhaps choosing the wrong options. But that's that's the great thing with Delhi. We know he is one of those players that even on his bad days can still have do something of real quality that that takes his performance from below average to to headline to headline catching, isn't it? And it was a super goal. With Ali, he's one of those players mm. that he's one of those that you would leave on the pitch for ninety minutes because you have that yes possible expectancy that yep. he can do something out of nothing. And Lee, just to bring it back to that point on Ericsson, he did play a perfect pass into the path of Aurea, who in the build-up to Spurs' second a goal, could have had a goal late on himself, but like the so it made a really positive impact. And, you know, Ali, for you now, you look at those stats out there, he scored more Premier League goals this season than he managed in the entire campaign of 2018-19. Four of them have come under present Spurs head coach Jose Mourinho. He's having that impact, Lee, isn't he, on Deli Ali? 
I mean, yeah, it was my mistake earlier. I mean, Christian Eriksen, it was uh, that, that ping. It was a brilliant ball, really low kind of ping drive to Aurea. I thought Aurea had a good game today. Um, you know, some listeners might think think I'm, I'm mad, but I, I think he had a pretty good game defensively as well. He he, he didn't dive in. He, he stuck to his task. And when he got forward, uh, you know, that proved it. It was, it was a good assist. I think with Delhi, he, he gets frustrated. And you could see again the first half. I agree with Jace. Maybe he was making the wrong um, decisions in terms of passes, but also there was no movement for him to make them passes. So, you know, he, he, he either has to provide that movement when he's further up the pitch so somebody can uh, quarterback pass to him because he's the guy making the movement or when he's got the ball ready to create he needs that movement in front of him to be able to do that and I think he was too far uh, away from Harry Kane to make them sorts of things happen in the first half second half when it changed I mean I thought they rang and ragged Deli Alley and Harry Kane I thought they uh, they rang uh, ran and ragged so for, for, for me I think it was that, that change and the, the finish was sublime it was absolutely I mean, you could see he's got that in his locker he chipped uh, for Eric Dyer last week was it um, when Dyer hit the post um, he, that, that West Brom chip for Harry Kane um, when uh, when Harry Kane scored at the old White Hart Lane um, or the or White Hart Lane in the last season he's got that in his locker he's got you know, that chip against Arsenal in the uh, quarterfinal of Cabal Cup when Kane puts him through he's got that little nonchalance about him and when you watch him live, you can see his 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 arms are being thrown around, not in a petulant way, but in a frustrated way because one millimetre or one centimetre to the left or to the right or make that run a little bit shorter or a little bit longer and that 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 would have been in and it was very very close today for, from being almost a perfect performance from Delhi and it sounds a bit weird because everybody in the first half was pretty pony but but I thought we had a, again I thought we had another game and you that's one of the reasons what you just said Rick that's why you keep him on a pitch for 90 minutes because he does create he creates opportunities and when it, he's a big lad Delhi as well isn't he? he's like he's over six foot so he's a perfect he's a perfect striker partner if you like for for Harry Kane and them stats that you've just read out the reason why is because he's back up playing very close to Harry Kane I think we've all said it on the Love Sports show and this pod as well we will agree that Delhi's best position is just behind Kane did we not agree that? Yeah and you make the difference early that he is playing right up behind Harry Kane and OJ she brought up the point you know Pochettino didn't always have that option open to him because of the amount of injuries that we suffered in the centre of midfield last season your thoughts on Christian Eriksen's future because after the game Reno was asked about you know long term what's Eriksen's future he says I know his future but I'm not going to be the one who speaks about it my feeling is that he wants to help us so that's why when I'm in trouble when I need a player of his qualities I play him but what is very obvious, Jace, is that he's not willing at the moment to play him from the start of games. That seems to be very, very clear. And I just wonder, Jace, with Tottenham's injury crisis now, or should I say just midfield crisis in general, because of those suspensions, has Eriksen done enough for you to maybe warrant a cameo role, or are you happy enough just to bring him off the bench when and if required? Uh, well, the, we'll have the test at Norwich and the, the choices are. I, I, I definitely think Eric Dyer starts against Norwich, and then it's it, does Adombele and Lo Celso be the other two, or does does Ericsson take one of those two places? Um, who knows? Who knows? But I think the fact that Lo Celso came on before him today tells me where where Ericsson's future is. Yeah, it's interesting you say it, Jason. I mean, we've got a cracking stat here, Lee. I've got to read out to you. Minutes per pass in the attacking third during Spurs against Brighton. We had Winks, uh, I think, 8.5 per passes. Delhi 7.5. Sissoko, 6.92. Then you look at the difference. Lachelso Eriksson come on. 2.83 for Lachelso, 2.75 for Eriksson. It's clear that when the two technical players came on for Spurs, they could really mm-hmm. connect that midfield to the attack and things just automatically improved. And you mentioned him earlier, Lee. I want I want to get your thoughts on Harry Winks because he set up Kane to put the ball in the net before the half-hour mark, but VAR decided that the striker was offside. He then picked up a booking which ruled him out of the Norwich game and was replaced with 15 minutes to go in a match that I thought he really struggled to make an impact in. And if I'm being honest with you, Lee, I thought he was lucky to stay on the pitch. What did you make of Winks' performance? I agree with you. I think all of them things. I think that he got taken off because he was lucky to be on the pitch. And I think that he probably he was running the risk of being sent off, um, which is one of the reasons why he got replaced. I think that... There's a lot of people. I'm, I'm a big Harry Winks fan. I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's a very good player. For technically, he can 
go from defence to attack when he looks forward. But but there were so many occasions today when, when he wasn't looking forward or when he was looking forward, there was no option for him. So he'd always have to come backwards again. So it's very easy to, you know, just sit here in the middle of the park, you've got the ball, you're looking up, you're seeing, you know, statues in front of you. So you're thinking, well, I can't go anywhere. So actually I'm going to go sideways again. And then for us fans to kind of moan and groan or whatever and say, oh, Harry Winks only goes backwards and sideways but doing that a lot today um, and you know again for all his endeavour he gave away regardless of whether he touched him or not he gave away the free kick which uh, led to their uh, to their goal um, and you know and he should have gone for another free kick right on the edge of the box as well sometimes it feels to me you know it's raining the pitch is a bit kind of you know slippery and soggy and whatever stay on your feet and there's so much endeavour and enthusiasm in, in the fella that sometimes you just got to go just, just stay on your feet and he don't he just slides in and go, you know, it's, and and, it's, and it looks reckless. And I think that's one of the reasons why they gave the, the free kick away in the first place. And he should have probably gone for me because the, the second challenge was definitely a yellow card. Um, and I think if he hadn't been booked the first time, man, the referee would have booked him for definite the second time. Man. But maybe that came into his mind and he luckily for us, he stayed on the pitch. Um it's so difficult with Hope. I just think they're screaming out for somebody to be next to him. You know, it's the same with an Eric Dyer. It's the same with us as Soko. It's the same. I think it's clear as day for me. When you look at last season, and Kev, who's a friend of the show as well, tweeted this earlier. Um, so I'll give him credit when he talks about, you know, the first half of last season versus the first half of this season. It's kind of polar opposites. So hopefully we can have a good second half of the season because last, uh, last season's second half season was poor. So if it balances itself out, hopefully we get a lot of points in the second half of the season. The point I suppose I'm making is that second half of the season last year, from when we beat, when ironically Harry Winks got the winner against Fulham January the 20th, that was our last away win under the Pochettino in the, in, in the league. And, you know, the, the whole central midfield situation that we're still talking about now was Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko. That's what it was. And we lost 13 games in the Premier League last year. 13. Now, you know, we we can't carry on that form. And, and actually what we've done is we've carried on that form. So we want to be able to try and change that. But that central midfield pairing, since Moussa Dembele and, 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 and Wanyama or when Eric Dyer, they had that partnership in you knew, that, that has never been replaced. And although we've replaced him with 65 million, and Dembele, as we talked about earlier in the show, he's not playing. So Somebody needs to nail down that position. And, you know, Winks, let's be honest, lads, I'll throw it back out to you. Winks isn't a, a holding midfielder, is he? No, I thought he was a, a kind of a number eight. I thought he was one that's going to take us forward, you know, wants to always look for that final pass, the through balls. But we're not seeing it at the moment, Lee. That that's doesn't a big do concern. that, does he, Rick? He, that, big, he, big concern. That's what I mean. I mean. He doesn't. He sits deep, sorry, Rick, but he that sits deeper than Sissoko. Yeah. So when when the two when the two are playing today, it's Sissoko that was kind of has got that kind of number eight role, which he didn't do particularly well at today either. No offense, but he didn't. And actually, when you look at a Winks, he's the person that's kind of sitting there. Was well, actually you want Winks to be kind of further up the pitch and somebody else to be sitting there. That's why it's so it's a proper conundrum. We talked about it on the last week's show. You talked about it on the Chelsea show. Now we're talking about it on the on this show as well. And you know we haven't fixed that problem yet. We haven't. I mean, Jace is a question on Harry Winks. Patrick at Patrick E. THFC says, is Harry Winks good enough for Spurs? He looks a shadow of himself at the moment, constantly being harassed by attackers and can't provide the ball that allows us to transition that we are so much in need. How can he improve his game and get back his spot? And does he have a long-term future under Jose Mourinho's Tottenham? I think he has a, a longer-term future than most because of the, the club homegrown thing that that, that kind of protects him, that you can't just replace him as easily as some of the other players. You know, find me a better club homegrown number eight at the club than, than Harry Winks. You're not going to find one, are you? So, unless Oliver Skip comes through. So, I think he's partly protected by that, but that's not to say that he's being protected because he's good enough. I think we just, as Lee said, we have to decide what type of player Harry Winks is. So, I look at it when he plays with Musa Sissoko. And he effectively ends up having to play the, the Eric Dyer type role, isn't it? Hence why he's the one running around trying to make tackles. And do we want to see Harry Winks do that? But, you know, <laughs> and then Musa Sissoko has, gets so often has to cover for Sir Zoria that it leaves Harry Winks stuck in the middle on his own. So when he's looking to pass it, where's the movement? Where's the easy pass for him? So I think, you know, I'd like to see him have that really, a bit like Eric Dyer. I'd like to see that balance in midfield and get that right and, and 
finally say to Harry Winks, right, your role in midfield is to do that job. But at the moment, one week, as Lee says, he has to play as an eight. The next week, he has to play as a six. Then, sure. then, then the person alongside him goes disappearing. And I think Eric Dyer, in the same way, struggles in that it's in the same in the same circumstances, and that there isn't that balance in midfield. And until we get that balance, it's very because let's be fair, any combination hasn't worked, has it? You know, it hasn't yeah. whether it's Jace, Sissoko, whether it's Dyer and Winks. And that's the frustration at Ndombele. 100%. Jase, I remember talking to you, uh, in fact, it was us, us guys, but I remember talking to you, Jase, about the uh, Eric Dyer situation. This is going back last season. Beginning of last season, if all of us as listeners remember, we went into that Watford game, we were unbeaten. We just turned Man United over 3-0 at Old Trafford. We're all buzzing. We're going into the Watford game. Yeah, it's going to be easy. And uh, uh, we went one up. We ended up losing the game 2-1. It was an absolute shocker. And Eric Dyer was on the pitch. It was before he got injured and all that sort of stuff. And we was actually saying at that time, Eric Dyer's doing a job and a half of somebody because yeah. we hadn't had somebody to be next to him because we'd yeah. lost the Wanyamas and we'd lost the Dembele's and whatever. We still ain't replaced it. Although we've got Undembele, which probably was the replacement, as you've just sat, sat there and said, the combination isn't right. I mean, again, Rick, you probably said, so we could do a whole pod on this because this is the crux issue, the, the problem. Yeah. The problem 100%. is right there, right there. What are we going to do? What's Mourinho and his staff going to do? What combination? We've got to nail it to the mask and we've got to say, he seems like he has with Eric Dyer, to be honest. He seems like he's saying, you are my man. You are going to be the dude. That, that's it. And then you're going to revolve around him. And he didn't play him today because maybe two games, three games in a week or whatever, too much for him. But I can bet your bottom dollar with all them suspensions, Eric Dyer starts against Norwich. We're going to bring on to Norwich in just a second. Jace, just want to discuss the fullbacks just in a little bit of detail. Ryan Sessignon made his first appearance, Premier League appearance from the very, very start. I mean, he had two early chances, one almost creeping at the ball home at the back post, the second hit in the post, but it was flagged for offside. I mean, he faded out of the game you would say from there onwards but he was played in a more withdrawn wing-back role what did you make of his overall display for 15 minutes he looked fine didn't he and then as you say that he he disappeared from the game but it was it was his first game so I don't think we want to jump to too many conclusions I think you know we, we seem to look to play down his side and then we we seem to stop going down that side hence why he ended up getting isolated and, and becoming anonymous but you know, he probably, I'd be surprised if he starts at Norwich. And I think it will be far more of a 4-3-3 at Norwich, in which case he'll miss out. But it's early days of Ryan Sessignon. And, and, you know, I think there's a real talent in Ryan Sessignon that he just needs he just needs game time. And it will be up to him between now and the end of the season to, to cement a place as he gets the opportunities. And Lee, just over to you, just want to have a quick word on Serge Uriah. He played himself a more withdrawn mm. role than usual, but he was in the right back place at the right time to probably cushion a pass to Ali for that second goal. It was a much better overall performance, I think, overall from the eye of Orion. He stopped the game in a moment because he'd done that Kreuzer nutmeg, which none of us expected. But on he the did. whole, was that, did, a, yeah. was that a better Serge Uriah display for you? I think so, yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh, in actual fact, a lot of the, as Jay said, a lot of the play in the first 15, 20 minutes in the first half went down Cessignon's side. And Serge Aurier was in miles of space, like hectares of space. He could have been a quick switch play. And if we'd have been playing at a quicker intensity in the first half, I think he would have been more involved as an attacking force in the first half. To be honest, I don't think he had much to do. I think they're number 30. his name's Bernard, I think. I, I think they, he played really well. I think their, their number 30 played really well, snuffing out anything on that left-hand side that did did come his way. But, I mean, he was in acres of space, uh, Sergio. He did do the course turn. He, done, he didn't do anything wrong today. And I'm not going to sit here and praise him for that because that's his job at the end of the day. But, you know, fair, fair play to him. I think on Sessignon, I think he was a little bit withdrawn today after the first 10, 15 minutes, for, for sure. We're going to take a very quick break and then when we come back, we're going to head to Norwich to come in the Premier League. Moussa Sissoko, Harry Winks, Hummingson are all suspended for Tottenham's trip to Norwich on Saturday. Who do you want to see in that midfield starting for you, considering we have two games in three days in a really busy, festive period for the club? Basically, it's going to be dire. I, I, I would pick Lacelso, and then that leaves one spot still to decide. You know, I, I'm desperate to see a double-A play, but is he fit and... Or will he get through the game? So, you know, if, if he's, it, it depends on him, doesn't it? I can understand if Mourinho thinks 
if you're not committed to it and you're not bothered to put the, the hard yards in, I'm not going to pick you. But, um, and then, so presumably it then becomes Christian Eriksen and Lacelso joining, joining him in midfield. But it's, and of course, we don't know yet, no, if, if Delhi will, will start the game because he, he was definitely looked like he had a, a strain or a, a slight pull or something like that at the end of the game. So, you know, it, it may well be that Eric Lamella in that case comes into the side. But um, the the problem with Norwich is it will be a massive game for Norwich. It's you know when when you're a newly promoted club and the the big six come to the town, those teams will be absolutely full on. Norwich are desperate for points, and so I think they'll they'll play at a high intensity. And the key to the game is we have to match their intensity. And if we go into to slow la la land as as we have a tendency to do at the moment then it will be a really uncomfortable day at Norwich, despite the fact we've got more quality than them. Just on the quality aspect, Lee, Norwich at the moment, bottom of the table, only three wins all season long, with three draws and 13 defeats. This should really be a game that Spurs, they simply have to win, don't they? But it won't be easy. They're fighting for their lives at the bottom of the league. Well, they are, and we, we de- 100% we have to win this game. You know, I, I wanted 12 points. I'm sure we all did, but, you know, I predicted and we'd get 12 points out of these Christmas fixtures. We messed up against Chelsea and everyone knows that. We've got three points today. We've got to get another six out of the next two games, minimum. We, we, we hit the FA Cup and then we go, we, we've got Liverpool, um, who are kind of a juggernaut that aren't beatable at the moment. So we have to get three points against Norwich. We, we have to turn up. We just to go, go there under the lights and, you know, get an early goal, start like a train, love the crazy train stuff, as you know. Woo, woo, but we've got to do it. You know, it, it's an attitude thing. We've got to take, well, look, at the end of the day, lads, right, and all the listeners, we have the technical ability to go there and beat Norwich. But if they show that they beat, they beat Man City, you, you've just said to us, Rick, that they've won three games all season. One of them was Man City. Like, so, you know, I think they draw with Arsenal as well. So, you know, whatever we say about Woolwich, at the end of the day, they've got a draw out of it. So, you know, the reality is they've had some shocking results against teams in and around them. But when the big six, as Jay said, comes to town, they step their game up. So we've got to get on that front foot and start the game really, really well and play really well. I remember that my, my favourite ever game against uh, Norwich was Gareth Bale when he just tore him a new one for half an hour and scored a couple of goals we we need it and it was at, it was at Norwich it was at Carrow Road we, yeah, we need to do that Walker was a that. Well. was a it was they, they, they were outstanding we've got to get on the front yep. foot Agreed. we've got to push up forward and we've got to we've got to start on the front foot and, and don't worry about defending I'm not saying don't worry about defending but if we if we concentrate and we're, 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 we play within ourselves and we're introverted that's when we, we, we don't do very well. If we're extroverted, if we go out and express ourselves, that's when we play our best football. And in the central midfield, I'd love to see Ndombele play like Jace, um, but I think it would be Eric Dye and I think Lacelso would play. And, and I think he plays with Delhi um, and, uh, and Kane and more as a front three, maybe. Such as Jason's loyalty, he wants to rush off for the Amazon Prime late kickoff. Jace, let's get your very quick prediction ahead of Norwich to come. What are you going to give us? If we match their tempo and intensity, we win the game. If we don't, we get beat. Simple as that. We get a prediction at the end of that? Just, just in that. <laughs> I hope we get a prediction? We, like I say, I don't know what Tottenham will turn up, Rick. Well, that's, a, that's the whole point of a prediction. Do you give us what you think is going to happen? So, uh, it could be anything from a 2-0 win to a 2-0 defeat with a 1-1 draw thrown in. So you're, not, so you're bottling it out, Jess. <laughs> you're going to give us a prediction. What, you, what does your heart say? My heart says a 2-0 win for Spurs. OK, and Tungy to start or not, Jace? But actually, that God, that means we've got to keep a clean sheet, doesn't it? Nah, so we've got definitely a 2-0. Not 2-0. Win for Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying 2-1. You're saying 2-1, yeah? Tungy to yeah, start, Jace, or not? Tungy to start or not? Sorry? Tungy to start. Tungy to start. He will start uh, I you. think Victor Wanyama has as much chance of starting as Tongi, to be really? honest. Really? That, that's how far he's fallen, Jase, yeah? To space of a win. <laughs> how far his, his, uh, his reputation might have fallen. Oh, my God. I mean, Lee, give us your prediction and will Tongi and the Mbele start for you in that midfield with Lachelso? No, I think it'd be Eric Dyer. I think it'd be Dyer and Lachelso in midfield and I think we'll, we'll win. Uh, be a very tough game, but the scoreline won't show how tough it is. I think we'll win 3-1. 3-1 there from Lee McQueen. Lee, I'm going to join you. I'm actually going to say 3... Yeah, I'm going to say 3-1. I am going to say 3-1 as well. 3-1 Spurs. You was going to go for a clean sheet then, Rick. Uh, you know, you I, I, was, a... I, mean, I was about to do a clean sheet. I thought, no, I must be crazy. Clean sheet with this club, not a chance. I mean, we know we've one in nine games other than Mourinho so far. But it's exciting. We're scoring goals. Yes, we're conceding. I'd rather score a few more goals and make it a bit more settled. Absolutely critical. We start on the front foot. We get at them really quickly, as Jay said. Get an early goal. Eight, nine minutes in. 
Tottenham go one nil up, we will win the. I know it seems simple, but we will if we match their intensity and the, the attitude. It's bizarre that we're talking about such basic things, but his attitude and commitment and desire—they are key things. And 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 if we do that, we win the game. I agree with Jace. It's funny that you just say that very quickly because I mean, my biggest concern at the moment is we've only won away from home at Wolves and West Ham. You know. Away from home wins are not a given. Yes, we've got a couple under Mourinho, don't get me wrong, but this is not going to be easy because, we, as we mentioned, Norwich are absolutely fighting for their lives. But I do want to see Lachelso start. I do want to see Undembele start. I'm worried that might drag on this now with Undembele, and I don't want it to because there's a quality player in there. We all want to see him start, but his fitness is absolutely pivotal to him having a long-term future at the club, I think. I think there's, there's, some, there's some good times around the corner. We've just got to keep patience and grinding out the results. It was a grind today. But look, listeners, Merry Christmas. Uh, we, we got the three points. Let's rock on to the weekend and get another one. Great. Jay, stay for coming back on. I appreciate it. No problem, mate. Fingers crossed we get those points. Great. Enjoy the Amazon late night show. That's nothing naughty or nudity. It might be late. I don't know what Jason's got planned, actually. Probably the worst line I could have set him up with it. Absolutely shocking. Lee. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I watched the traditional Christmas fair when I started to watch Chernobyl as a series. That's how good Christmas was. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that, was, that wasn't with crackers either. Oh, my Lord. Lee, thank you for coming back on. Really, really appreciate it. Quick turn for you from the stadium straight on here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, cheers, boys. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, come on, you Spurs. Lee, do you want to just give a shout out to that guy you told me about? A, a mess oh, no. I, I, absolutely. Sure, I will do. No, go for it. Very quickly, go on. So, Ben, pleasure to meet you. So, Ben, pleasure to meet you today at the stadium and, and your six-year-old son. Uh, it's fantastic to see. And uh, he asked me whether he's recording tonight. It was a good show. He, lo- he loves listening to the podcast. So, big shout-out to Ben. And uh, like all the listeners, thanks ever so much for all of your um, you know, your commitment to, to the pod. And we love the fact that you're listening to us. And uh, come on, you Spurs. Yeah, come on, you Spurs. Lee Echoes there. Thank you ever so much for all your continued support. Or hopefully you're diving into this show as you're still maybe in maybe the leftover turkey or you're still pulling crackers they still can be done discounted now those crackers listen have a wonderful <laughs> christmas new year coming spurs shows keep on coming here don't you worry we're going absolutely nowhere merry christmas happy new year and as always come on you spurs sports social podcast network